I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Ordinary Black Professionals. I'm Nicole. And I'm Stefan. And this week we're talking about what consultants do. It feels like a little bit of a loaded question. Um, <laughs> a lot of the times I feel like when people ask me what I do and I start to explain consulting, their eyes glaze over and they yeah. no longer kind of have any interest or yeah. can follow the conversation. Most of the time. Yeah, that tends to be how it is most of the time. Or I struggle to find the words to really actually explain what it is that I do mm. um, because it is so different to what to what other people who aren't in consulting do and like how they kind of navigate their jobs. Yeah, yeah. The type of work that we do is quite different sometimes compared to what people would do in their traditional positions and finance or insurance or whatever. Marketing, whatever it is, yeah. So, um, the concept of sort of how we go about what we do is slightly different. So maybe we can sort of explain that today. Yeah, definitely. And I would even say that like friends and family probably still don't understand what we do. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely in my case. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've had friends, t- people who I've been friends with for years um, turn around and say to me, what exactly do you do again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, So So we can start off with sort of what is a consultant? And I would say that's someone who sort of provides professional expertise or advice to a business, could be an individual as well, in a particular field. So that field could be in technology, insurance, finance, banks, um, strategic um, uh, change, things like that, right? And um, and to help that personal business achieve their goals. Um, and consultants like us, we can work for professional conserv- uh, professional services or consultancy firms. We can also work freelance or as an internal consultant for a company that you currently work for. So even if that company is not a consultancy firm, they can also have consultants inside that help in providing that professional expertise on advice and I would say um a consultant is in a in a couple of sentences we just we help businesses solve problems we help them solve their problems we 
um, can help them improve their processes, implement new technology, um, understand what their efficiencies are in the business. Um, any of those three things, but essentially it is helping them solve any problem um, that a business may have. Um, and then as Stefan said, it can be in a range of different different industries. I think um, we probably worked in at least combined together, maybe five plus or 10 plus different industries. Yeah, 10's a lot. <laughs> Ten, but, yeah. 10's too many? Ten, five plus is definitely, I five plus. <laughs> Keep the five plus. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, and and the thing is with, with the work that we do, um, so we're helping businesses solve their problems or working in different industries. And it tends to be, um, if we think about kind of our day to day, what a consultant would do, I would say that uh, every day is different. So definitely, it can be like a nine to six start. So contractually, I I work nine to six. Yeah. I don't have that nine to five life, unfortunately. I never get home in time to watch the six o'clock news. That's not my life. I know I have friends out there who finish work at five and is able to get home to watch the six o'clock news. That has never been me. Usually I'm in big I'm in companies where I can see the six o'clock news on the TV screen. <laughs> but I'm still at work working. Yeah. In the office. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. 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 So um yeah, I work contracted to work nine to six but it could be um that I work longer just depending on what's required from the client and what stage we're in if I'm in a really busy stage then I could be working nine to six nine to seven nine to nine eight to nine just depends what it is and seven, also, to seven. seven to seven depends where the clients are as well and where they're based if they're based in the states you're working you know longer hours if they're based in China let's say your day may um you know start a little bit earlier so yeah the lengths of time is different but I think Stefan where you are your day is more yeah I work nine more to nine to six well. not necessarily working yeah. over time yeah because in my current position I'm a, uh, probably that example of what I was saying I'm a consultant inside of a company yeah that's not a consultancy firm and um and so I'm helping them and their customers make changes and provide that expertise in particular areas and um yeah I work sort of more nine to six but again it does change like if I do have a customer who is in a different time zone then I'll have to work a bit earlier or later based yeah. on that sometimes I can make up the time so I'll finish a bit earlier or start a bit later or something like that but yeah you can work overtime in the industry quite often um but yeah that's quite normal yeah that is like very normal and uh, i think it's at different rates as well it's at different rates like how how overtime you work is different for different people on different projects and... yeah because some people some people just love to work over like more hours and they think that oh yeah you know qu- quantity is is better than quality oh, definitely. and <laughs> and you know and they don't know how to manage their time at all so so you know where you can bang out a piece of work in two hours that person can't you know struggles to manage their time or for whatever reasons they don't manage to get the work finished in two hours so it ends up taking them four hours which then means they have to you know extend the length of their working day Mm. um so yeah and, and probably important just to just to say here like I work in a consultancy consultancy so I consultancy firm yeah consultancy firm yeah I'm not uh, yeah I'm not like in in Stefan's position 
and then um so every day differs I don't think I have any days that are the same I might be doing similar-ish activities but the, the the day itself is quite different um, and that's because you know we've got different meetings um, that have different emails that pop up different um, activities and priorities that a particular day will have I know some of my friends they will kind of get up in the morning they'll go to work and they have to fill in or have to perform three specific activities and they have to perform that every two weeks or every day or every month or something like that mm. and I would say that in consulting there's not always an activity that you have to perform you know what every day what I would say is is that there's not some of these jobs you are given specific responsibilities like if you're a payroll admin person then you add new people on yeah. you take uh, people have left off you do the payroll at the end of the month it's always the same spreadsheet it's always the same process sort of thing and anything other than that is sort of conversations outside of whatever people may talk about but in our job you there's no specific responsibilities that we have it's just sort of just to be responsible for anything and everything that may turn Come up our way right <laughs> <laughs> anything and everything that may come our way and that's why every day is different yeah and every um project we do is different so and do you know why every day is different as well because yeah. of the client yeah because because so much of our well all of our work is driven essentially by someone else by another organization who's telling us what direction we should do or what piece of work we want to deliver that therefore means that we are in control of our work but also not at the same time with if the client kind of says on Monday we want to go in you know direction A and then by the time it gets to Wednesday says oh now we're going to go into direction B that immediately changes all our direction all our work all our activities so we don't always have a strong steer on the activities and the work we're performing because ultimately the client drives you know drives a lot of that Mm. Um, so I think that also means that that makes our days kind of quite quite different as well yeah yeah there's never a dull day. Never, never a dull day. Never a dull well, day. Not for me. <laughs> I can't. I I can't. Um, <laughs> I disagree with that. So, some some days can be dull. <laughs> not that they're not event like you know. I've been in. Um, I've had days before around back to back in meetings, and it's been a very boring day because <laughs> you're just sitting there on calls all day. Um, but yeah, yeah. Every day is different. So let's talk about how we go about doing this. How do we go about um, helping businesses through change as a consultant, helping them achieve their goals? First, we'll start off with sort of projects, right? We do this all through projects. So we start a piece of work with a customer or a client, and we go through certain stages that are sort of the usual stages we go for every client and um and that's sort of the universal way we do things right yeah we usually start off with scoping i mean first we have to sort of sign a deal with a client and say look we're going to come and help come and work for you right we're going to come and do this piece of work for you that deal will usually um not be very specific on what we're going to do but it's going to sort of say roughly we're going to help you implement a system to deal with X problem that you have. Yeah. Right? 
Um, and then we have to scope that, right? And that means we have to sort of decide um, by talking to the customer, by talking to all the stakeholders, we have to scope all the things that need to happen in order for your problem to be resolved. Exactly. Right? Or not necessarily a problem, but whatever you want to achieve to be achieved. Yeah. Right? In the best way. So, um, and a lot of the time, some no, there's sometimes, right? Customers know exactly what they want straight away. They're just like, I want um, a website to get more customers in my business and I want you to make that website. And so we made the website. We may say a few extra things like, okay, you got the website there. Sure, that's a good idea. But um, how are you gonna drive people to that website? How are people gonna find it? How are going, people going to find the experience? Are they gonna stay when they come? Things like that. We, can just, we start asking those questions and we start scoping out more and more bits of information. Sometimes clients, um, they say, I've got this problem. I don't know how to fix it. Um, I think I think I can fix it over here with this solution, but I'm not sure. And then we come in and we do a full analysis and we scope out, right? If you want to solve that problem, you have issues over here, over here, over yeah. here. Uh, you need this solution over here. Um, if when you put all that information together, this is the list of items that we need to to solve that and how much time it's going to take, the effort it's going to take, the number of people, yeah, the cost, um, and what it's going to take. Because a lot of customers, right, a lot of clients think we're going to come in and solve all their problems. Mm. But they don't realize that we're sometimes we're going to come in and tell you to solve your own problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, we come in and sometimes we, we say, you've got a problem over here, but I can't magically make stuff happen for you you've got to change the way your business operates yeah. you've got to change the way your people work if you want your problem to, re to be resolved you've got a process here that just doesn't fundamentally work that you've been using for the last 20 years and you know what it's, it's no good it's funny to say that um one client that i was in um that i that i did some work for they wanted to map out what their processes were so they wanted an understanding of how they currently um do this particular activity so they wanted us to kind of map out their processes and what it, what we after the engagement was finished one of the things that we realized is exactly what you said for them to have real change in the company the company had to make um you know fundamental changes on the way they operated the mindset the culture mm. and all that other stuff so it was all well and good us mapping out the processes and coming up with new ways that this business can can, can operate and become more efficient but essentially if the people aren't going to change and if the mindset is exactly the same and if the culture is a particular way it doesn't really make a difference because there's only so much you can do so yeah that's so true that sometimes you do need you know the some sometimes our clients do need to change fundamentally how they operate um to be able to, for us to kind of get give them the, the the best results that that they can get yeah so and that's part of the discovery piece of work that we do yeah we have to go in and find this information that they're not going to tell us just from their own mouth yeah exactly they it, because they don't necessarily they don't know, know it you don't you, you know classic saying you don't know what you don't know yeah 
and it's a blind spot and sometimes it takes someone who has that outsider perspective to come in and be like oh actually this can change this can change this can we can do this even better because you know when you're when you're in it so much it's hard to get that objective view yeah so that's all part of the scoping work and part of the scoping work out of it will come what we call a statement of work which is a document it just lists out um to fulfill our contract with you um we're going to take this much time we're going to need this much people and effort and uh cost and all that stuff and we're going to do x y z list of things um and maybe in the statement of work as well it will contain information saying we also need you to provide us things yeah and we also need you to make changes in in your specific areas and for you to bring your people to the table as well yeah so we can all work together and and also in that in the statement of work or the sow We'll also outline um, the approach that we're planning on taking, what resources we're planning on using. So it could be the case that we're going to bring on external um, partners that we work with. So if you're doing building a website, for example, and you need some an external party to do the testing, you may be like, well, we're going to work with this particular partner who works with testing and they're going to, you know, they're going to come in and they'll do that. Um, you know, provide that testing element. So the statement of work SOW will outline the different partners that we'll work with, and it also will um, call out any assumptions that need to be made as well. So we yeah. assume that it's a very important we, to call those assumptions. It's very important to call out the assumptions. So we, uh, you know, an assumption could be we assume that we will be able to speak to the head of technology on a regular basis, and that person will be able to give us. The requirements needed to build the website but also the, the assumptions link back to um the top of the document which is going to say like how much this is going to cost and how much people we need and how much oh time yeah it's of course take. because in the assumptions we're going to say things like i assume that the process process b that you told me is absolutely perfect and nobody's going to change it at all yeah is going to stay unchanged and i'm going to make that an assumption right the moment you change it the whole scope of our project changes, changes right? And, and that's going to be more time, effort, yeah, and it's going to cost more. Yeah, so it could be more people. So now we whatever. need to, a revision to the statement of work, right? Yeah. Because that assumption's been broken. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, very important uh, information there. So once the SOW and statement so, of work yeah, is signed, they'll sign that. Yeah. What happens next? Um, so now it starts. It's time to sort of start getting the work done and first thing we need to do is onboard our team so there will be before we do the scoping uh, there will be a small team who came in and did the discovery piece of work and did the statement of work but now we know exactly what we need to do we need to onboard the rest of consultants from the uh, firm not all of them but (laughs) as many as we need with the specific skills that we need and um, start onboarding them into the project and that just means they need to come in they need to meet the team meet us the consultants um because when i say meet us you'll think they're from our firm and they'll know who we are but not necessarily true because every project we work with different consultants from our own firm and we necessarily not we haven't worked with them before yeah so they have to meet us they have to meet the customer 
the client and talk to them and build a relationship and they need to get all their paperwork in order so all the paperwork that says right you work over here this client the you know money and all that sort of stuff and we need to get access to the to the client systems the client needs to give us access to their building uh, laptops any other information or things we may need to basically do our jobs and sometimes as well we work on the clients in the clients buildings so they need to give us a place to sit which doesn't always happen doesn't always happen but most of the time <laughs> it doesn't happen I've been, I've been given places to sit so you also so so you have to remember right um you could be walking into a big organization and um i don't I'm just going to pick a, you know, you can, you can walk in a big organization and all those employees there obviously have somewhere to sit. So they've got a desk, they've got a laptop, they've got a chair, all that good stuff. Now you have 30 consultants coming in who are now going to be working with that company who all require a place to go, <laughs> a place to permanently, you know, be located in for the next, what, three months, 12 months, year two years however long the project lasts um and from my experience what sometimes happens is a few things you either don't get somewhere to sit so they the, the, the client will say to you well you can come in to the office but you can only come in twice a week or three times a week because we can't physically we don't have anywhere to put you all so you, you know we have to kind of um be flexible and how we come in so that will either happen B, you are able to, they will kind of facilitate you and you have you have got somewhere to sit, but you're not sitting somewhere that's very comfortable. So you're sitting on stools Ugh. or kind of breaking your back because you don't have a proper like desk set up. Yeah. Or C, what can happen is, is that actually there is nowhere for you to sit. And so therefore you are working either from home or from your, um, you know, from your, from your, from your, from your own, from firm, from your own office. firm office yeah or actually d what's happened quite recently to me is most of my you know the the, the client that i was in um was recently working with they were all based elsewhere so they weren't based in london so actually or even in the uk so there was nowhere for me to kind of go and work with them because they all worked in a different country so therefore you aren't going into their office and, and, and working with that client face-to-face. -face. I've also had the situation where they give you a place to sit, proper desks mm. and proper chairs, but it's like three three people to a desk. Oh, so you all, you all cram up on one desk? Yeah, so there's the desk, yeah, it's pretty crammed. <laughs> three people to a desk in a, in a row, it's like, yeah, really, really close together. Yeah really uncomfortable i remember one particular client saying um that we could not come in on a friday did they give a reason because they there was enough seats oh because all their employees come in on fridays yeah <laughs> so we so it meant that we always got to work from home and you know as i i don't know if i've mentioned this before but i'm absolutely pro working from home so for me at the time this is obviously before covid and and everything but so i absolutely loved it so it wasn't it wasn't a problem to me to work from home on a friday um 
so yeah so when you do the onboarding you know you get all your laptop you've got access to the building hopefully you've got somewhere to sit all that good stuff then the next stage is implementation yeah so it's time to actually get down day get this um scope delivered and so all the things that we said we were going to do we have to start initiating that and um working through it basically and we have got a big team of people so you just split up the, the work in your teams you keep regular meetings updates and just sort of keep a status going of all the different bits and pieces that you're implementing and uh it rarely goes smoothly it rarely goes smoothly <laughs> and 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 again it's kind of what i said earlier around um you know, one of the reasons is that your a lot of your work is dictated by someone else. So, the, you know, the client could decide to change the steer of direction last minute, or um, we anticipated that it was going to take five days to deliver a, a new functionality on the website. But actually, now that we start building it and designing it, it's now taking us 15 days. So all of that stuff changes the direction, it changes the priorities, and it just... It, it, it can it can make for lots of bumps along the road um, and not necessarily things being as smooth sailing as, as you would like it to be. Um, it could also be the case that, you know, when you first kind of scoped out the work and had the SAW, you thought that you only needed the team to have 10 people. And then actually now you've come to implementation, you're like, oh, shit, we need to have 15, 20 people to be able to deliver the the, the scope of work that we need. So all of these different kind of changes and challenges um, can make implementation at times that delivery phase really challenging and, and, and quite difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It can be, well, it, I think it's the most difficult time. Yeah. Time, it can be the most stressful but... time, especially on the, the lead up to the, to go lives as well. Mm. So if go you're doing lives, the technology delivery, yeah. you do it everything has to essentially go live once you deliver something that's brand new, if you're delivering technology that's brand new, like a website that didn't exist before, or even you're replacing something that didn't exist with yeah. something completely brand new, you have to launch it. And that launch day and the weeks after it are very, very bumpy. Very I don't think... bumpy. Very stressful. <laughs> yeah. And you said the weeks leading after it, but it's also the weeks before coming up to it as well. Yeah, before. Um, very, very bumpy and very... Um, very challenging at times as well I, I think what's also important to note here is with the go lives um because they can be so challenging and they can be so kind of stressful as well at times that it's 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 a time when the project team can actually band together a lot more than they usually would yeah because for some true. sometimes i don't know what it is but people bond over bad circumstances <laughs> well i would say bad circumstances it's just like the most challenging time and you really pull together and that's probably when you become a team more than ever before yeah yeah that's and, true and you're you working towards the same goal common goal yeah and and sometimes a lot of the politics have gone out the window at that time it's just straight we need to achieve this yeah. and we all know the direction we're going in and everybody's helping out and yeah those are yeah there's those are definitely the bonding times bonding and, yeah and um you get yeah i think you always remember those times you do you do and everyone and everyone mucks in so regardless of your level or what your expertise is if you need someone who can help out with testing 
at 5 p.m. in the evening and you have no testing experience, but someone needs it, you just hop on and you help and you test. Like everyone just mucks in and gets some of the job. Um, and I would say this is the time, the time before the go live and afterwards where those hours are crazy. You're working weekends, you're working long hours, you're working bank holidays. You're just trying to get it over the line so we can go live with something. Yeah, well, I don't think it necessarily has to be like that, but that can be the case a lot of the time, yeah. Have you ever been on a go live project where you haven't had to work extra hours? I've been on one where I haven't <laughs> had to work uh, weekends. Not Okay, um, fine. You don't work weekends for extra hours during the week. Yeah, I mean, work late, yes. Yeah. Work late, yeah. But, so, I mean, no, I mean, I think you're always probably going to work a bit late. But, yeah, weekends and, like, you know, working up to midnight and stuff like that. I don't think it has to be that, that way. It doesn't have to be that way. I have done those, but... But yeah. I've done those as well. I don't think it has to be that way. But I feel like more often than not, it is that way. <laughs> <laughs> I think when it's gone that way, something has gone wrong. Something's gone wrong. Way, <laughs> and um, and it's too late to fix it. And mm. uh, yeah, you just got to make something work. So. One one thing to say about working late though is I would say that in consulting, it's very much the like it's very much the expectation that you do work late. Like even if you speak to people who are not in the consulting industry, they know that consultants work long hours. It's kind of like when I think of doctors. I don't know. Even though I, I'm not a doctor myself, I just know doctors work long hours. Yeah, I would say it's that kind of like, do you know, like, it has um, that, that like, from people who, who are not in the, the profession, industry, yeah. they know it's just like an area where you work long hours. Yeah. And amongst other consultants, people just know, oh, yeah, you're like, of course you're going to work longer than you, than you're contractually meant to. Yeah. In actual fact, when I've, when I've looked at jobs before, sometimes jobs actually say have to be willing to work longer hours. Yeah, I'm. I'm personally, I'm always happy in that in this implementation phase to do that. Like when it's around the go live. And, yeah, same and actually. The um, you know the the business end of the project, but I'm not necessarily for doing that throughout the whole implementation phase, right? There's some projects and stuff like that from when you start. You're not doing nine to six from that first onboarding day. You're working you know, hours. nine to nine every day, all the way up until you leave. And um, I think that is completely unnecessary, personally. Well, do you know why that I think happens at times is because the SOW was... The SOW was... Just yeah. didn't, <laughs> you know, not, said not that you needed done. five resources, five individuals, and then actually you needed 10. Yeah. And so you're doing double, so you're always, double work. Yeah. So it's just climbing up a up a hill yeah which is why those assumptions and sow and um getting the right amount of um estimation on how much time and effort it's going to take is very very important yeah very because that will lead to the project starting off good or starting off very bad so after this implementation phase we've we've um you know delivered the work and typically it's time to sort of hand everything back over to the client and say hey we've delivered this piece of work for you now our contract is up and um, we're going to hand everything back to you in a nice neat and orderly state obviously we're going to call that uh, business as usual or in other words b-a-u yeah 
And um, so they need to figure out basically how they're going to operate now with these new processes or um, new technology systems or whatever, their business as usual everyday state. How are they going to deal with the different situations that may occur? Those sort of things, right? Yeah. So we will do documentation. We'll also do um, kind of what worked well. So essentially, it's a way of gathering feedback to understand, okay, so what worked really well during this project and then also kind of what can be improved um, in this project as well. And essentially, kind of just following on from what Stefan said, this BAU or business as usual handover stage is making sure that we're leaving the client in the position where they can continue doing the work that we've already been doing as, a, you know, as the consultants, but we leave them in a good place to essentially continue that work and, and thrive so um it's giving them the tools and the equipment and the the skills needed to do that and yeah. and sometimes during this BAU phase business as usual phase it is um upskilling the the client on yeah. how to do certain things so if you've just kind of implemented this new technology and they have absolutely no idea how to manage it if something goes wrong. It could be sitting down and upskilling the client on how to use Salesforce or how to use, I don't know, G Suite or I'm trying to think of something quite basic, but how to use Google Hangouts or Teams or something like that. You know, how, how, to, how to use a simple functionality, what to do if something goes wrong, training people up to be system admins so they can give you logins into the system or, you know, or they're the go-to person if something, the system crashes or something like that. So um, doing doing all of that stuff. And then, yeah, and then Stefan said, having the documentation. Yeah. So it's clear and easy. One thing I would say with the documentation, though, is, um, is like a, I guess, a bit of a tip, is walk the client through the documentation. Don't validate don't assume validate with them. Don't assume that if you send them send them an email, you know, please see attached this documentation. They're going to click the attachment and read it, and if they do read it, that they're going to understand it. And if they don't understand it, that they will then follow up with you. Don't make those assumptions. I find what's always really good is just to have like a quick handover meeting with them, so you can walk them through the documentation step by step, and they're really clear and confident in it. So when you know when you as a consultant, as the individual rolls off the project, or as the, the, if the whole team rolls off the project, you feel comfortable and confident that the client is is happy with the documentation and know what to yeah. do. One of the things that makes you a good consultant is knowing your client. hundred percent. Yeah, if you 100%. know them, then you would know that. Hey, every time I send a document to this guy. They don't He's read it. He's not going to read it. He's not going to read it. So don't send a document to, to him. It's better if I set up a meeting. Yeah, maybe, or this is the type of person who really likes face-to-face contact. He really likes me to walk him through something, to present to him or her, and and then therefore you should do that because yeah. you know what they like. That will please them. That will... Um, Make it easier for them to sign off the work that you've done, and um, yeah, just just make your life easier. Yeah. So can... that's one of the. I mean, that's also just part of listening as a consultant. One of the top skills. But do skills. you know what? But so, what some what, what I find sometimes happens is 
you know, you've worked with this client, that client, this client, that client, and you just get into a habit of doing the same thing, just doing the same thing. Yeah. So when you come across a client or an individual who, you know, wants to read a document offline and, and you know, not really have like a call or whatever, mm. you'll just put one in because that's what you've done with XYZ client. Well, that's what time I say. Time and time again. But Th- that's, that's why the top skill of a consultant is to know your client because you I feel do like the same you have to be quite person. emotionally intelligent as well and what I mean by that is um picking up on those subtle like cues on what people like and what people don't like so you're able to make informed decisions because because the client you know when I work with my different stakeholders I wouldn't say that they will say to me some of them will be like, oh, well, I never read. So like, Nicole, if you send me this email, I'm probably not going to read it because I have a thousand emails in my inbox. But other, So that will be quite direct. So I know, okay, if I want to walk that person through something or, you know, give that person, like, I need to sit them down, walk them through it, have set up a meeting, do all that good stuff. But there's other clients who won't be as explicit as that. And they'll just be like, yeah, it won't be that explicit. They won't clearly say how they like to work. Right. So you either have to pick that up through working with them, talking with them, whatever. Or what I found quite helpful and useful is just to put a time in their diary. And I think this can go with anyone. I think this just goes with any industry that you work in, to be honest. Put time in people's diary and say, how do you want to work? How, how do you like doing things? And let's do it that way. And I think that can work as well. If you've got a manager relationship or whatever, you can tell your manager, well, this is how I like to work. This is how I like to receive feedback. This is how I like to, you know, don't put a meeting in my diary for 9 a.m. because I'm not at my best at 9 a.m. Put it in for 9.30. Things like that. So you can get the best out of people. You can give that information to the client or to your manager, whoever. And then you can ask for that back. Yeah, get that information back that's, because that's it's such a big one that we just work with people we, we just absolutely no regard to how they like to do things yeah because um, in our job it's important for us to get the best out of people yeah uh, exactly. especially when they don't work for our firm they work for the client so you're you need to do things in a way to sort of get their attention yeah you know um yeah, just like you mentioned, really, you can do it for a meeting like that. That will work. Yeah, mm, that's great. I agree. I'm just thinking right now, like, I absolutely, I, I, I'm I'm the opposite of someone who likes to have someone walk me through a deck. I, I, I'm more like, well, I'd rather spend my own time reading it so I fully understand it, put in my comments there. And then we can set up a meeting. But if someone just walks me through a deck in an hour, I'm not going to have the yeah, time that's not to just to, me it's not, to digest the information. So for me, that's not that's not how I like to operate and mm. work. But some people love that. Some people love that. Yeah, love it. especially if your time uh, if your you, time you, you, poor. You keep saying the word word deck. What's a deck? A deck. <laughs> so of course, all these consulting terminologies. Um, so a deck is this a as a PowerPoint presentation. So it's a bunch of slides, essentially. Which is cool. <laughs> which we in the beers call um deck. <laughs> or pack. It can be referred yeah, to as a pack. They like to call it a pack. 
<laughs> it's not a pack of dogs. It's not a pack of wolves. A pack or a deck. It's just, a, it's just it's not a deck of cards. It's just a PowerPoint presentation. I just call it a presentation or a document. Really? I don't call it a deck. You don't call it a deck? I think that's a weird word. Or a pack. I think that's even weirder. Pack. <laughs> yeah, I call it a deck. I, I, would, I, was, I might call a pack if it's many of them. Like, I've got, like, lots of different presentations and they all Into are related one. to a single thing. No. And it's a pack of I documents mean, about something. That makes sense. The, what, how you just described it, yeah. that makes sense. But <laughs> that, That's a logical a way to do it. No, but when I think of, when I say pack, I'm talking about, like, one yeah. deck. That may explain, like, I don't know, how to, how to play FIFA. And it's got, like, five, like, 15 slides. Yeah. That's, like, one pack. <laughs> so what what we'll have to do throughout is just call out when we're using like consulting terms. Mm. And I and I did use one um earlier which was resource. Oh yeah. When it comes down to um someone joining a project. So because so <sighs> I might have to step in here if I explain this a bit wrong. But basically um because you're an individual and you move around different projects, um, how you're often referred to as being a resource. Yeah, some people absolutely don't like that. Some people don't like that. For me, couldn't care less what it is. Well, I, I, I wouldn't be. Per- I'm, not, I'm not offended if someone refers to me as a, as a resource. Um, so instead of kind of, it, I, I guess what it does it takes away the the human the human factor from it so instead of it being like individuality yeah and yeah yeah it it, it can do that yeah yeah. um so instead of it being like okay well nicole was going off to this particular project he'll be like well we just need a resource an individual a consultant who can do this particular piece of work Mm. um so i did use that earlier and that's that's let's see what it is just referring to an individual um and then yeah. And how they measure that too, they measure resources using FTEs, which is oh, yeah. full-time equivalent. So one FTE is one person working full-time, which is nine to six. Yeah. Right. So if I say I need uh, seven FTEs, then I need seven people that work full-time, nine to six. Yeah. So if there's seven people one day, if there's seven people work one day, They've worked seven FTE. Get it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, so that's basically the project life cycle. Yeah. So that's all the stages that we go through in general. And um, and then obviously we do this for different clients up and down the country. So All the world. All the world. Yeah. All the world. <laughs> Most of the time, the country. <laughs> um, so, um, so as a consultant, when you look at jobs, they're pretty much all going to say that you need to be geographically mobile. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and and actually, what they say is a hundred percent geographically mobile. Yeah. And they all they pretty much always say a hundred percent because they don't want you <laughs> claiming, oh, you told me fifty percent, and I work with more than fifty percent geographically mobile. Yeah. Like. They want to have the options for you to work 100% away from home um, any time of the yeah. year, any day. And then to, the reason you will be required to work 
um, away from home is if, for example, you're working for a client and they're based up in Scotland and that client wants you there on site with them, then you would need to commute up to Scotland, whatever, based on whatever the project needs you. But you'd be able, you'd have to um, travel up to Scotland and, and, and be there on site. And so you'd be essentially away from your London base or wherever you're based from. Yeah. Um, and, and and most of the time you will get a hotel to stay in. Yeah, you'll get, yeah. So you'll it's not, you're breakfast not. Breakfast and dinner paid for you. Paid for, for you. you. Yeah. Yeah. You're not out of pocket because you are required to work outside of your your hometown yeah wherever that may be so yeah the company would pay for your hotel for your food for your for your you know the, the train up there or the flight to wherever you're going well actually taxis. a lot of the time the consultancy firm get the client to pay for it yeah 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 so but essentially it's, it's so yeah so essentially that's baked, i mean that's baked into the cost of you having us come work here yeah we're going to charge you for our hotel stay too. Yeah, yeah. But essentially, for you as the consultant, it ain't a cost for you. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, the first consulting gig that I did, um, company that I was at, you know, my contract said that I had to be 100% geographically mobile. And at the time when I joined the company in my early 20s, I just signed it and didn't really think anything of it. You didn't think that was going to be true. I just thought, <laughs> okay, yeah, whatever. Whereas now, if I was, you know, if I was to move company or whatever, and I, and I said 100% geographically mobile, it would be something I have to, I, you know, I'd have to think about a lot more. Yeah. Because of the, you now I have a house, I, you know, I'm married. Like, this, it's just as much different set up to what it was when I was in my early 20s and I just started out when I first started as well there's a older lady that told me that when you're young you should just take it take that time to have the experience of being mobile to working in these different places explore you know don't hold yourself down to your local area you know we're from London so you know London or if you're from Manchester Manchester yeah you know, don't hold yourself down to those areas you know this is time actually you're working for a company and they can send you anywhere be open to that and yeah. when you're young and you know what I, and I, I think that's pretty that. good adv- yeah. yeah I think that's fair advice I think it's coming back to you also get very good experiences as well because well, you're very embedded once you're out there working on the site right and you're um in the hotel um, nowhere close to home you're fully embedded mm. every day into that work environment and you'll get to come home on the weekends sometimes on Fridays um, work from your local office on Fridays or something like that but um, yeah you're fully embedded yeah. so so everything that's going on on the project you're you're just getting rich experience at that time when you work on out of town yeah and I think with anything in life, when an opportunity comes your way, you've, you you have the privilege of a new opportunity, a new experience. Sometimes you do just have to take it by the hands and, and roll with it. Um, if you're open to it, I, I think it's I think it's good. And we've both worked on out of town. It's another bit of lingo. Out of town just basically means um, not in your, your not in London. We worked on projects where we've had to commute and not be in London. You know, no, what out of town means is um, not where you are contractually um, based. Based, yeah. So, um, 
my contract says I'm based in the London office. So any London based projects, they're not going to pay for me to travel there or stay there. Yeah. But um, any projects outside of my base, which is London, they they will they should um, pay for at least travel. If they're not going to pay for me to get a hotel there, they should pay for my season ticket or whatever. To yeah, to go to Surrey yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So we've both been on our town projects and it's probably it's not something that I would rush to do again (laughs) in my current situation Um, but there was definitely you know the good the bad and the ugly with it it was definitely an experience that I'm glad that I had Um, and I, and I, I mean so I was out of town for six months and what I enjoyed about it was the fact that when I did come back to London, it felt like a treat, almost. It was like, oh, wow, I'm back. I get to see my friends and, like, get, get home-cooked meals. And that felt really nice and, and precious when I was back in London the time that I had. Um, one thing I should note, though, is actually when I was out of town, I was out of town Monday to Friday. So I actually came back Friday evening and I left to go to where I was Monday morning so I was completely out of action for the whole working week um, and so my so when I say that my weekend my when I came back to London was so precious it was because I only had two and a half days back in back in London um, another thing that was another thing that was good um, being in out of town was the fact that I this is not work related, but was exercising a lot more than I do than I did beforehand. Yeah, because you get if you're in a hotel, choose a nice one. It's got a really nice gym. You have a really nice gym. Not yeah. that I actually went to that gym. I actually to my hotel gym. I actually started um, training in like another somewhere completely different. Um, so that was, and I was doing that five times a week. So that for me was great. Getting that fitness in, getting in the gains. And another good thing was probably the fact that I got to stay in different hotels and see what they were like and mm. different food and stuff. Yeah. It, it wasn't a project that I particularly enjoyed, so <laughs> that's not going into what I enjoyed. That's not going into the good um what I enjoyed, but yeah. Um, I guess when I first started out, I was excited about all these hotels. Oh yeah. About I thought it would just be exciting really. And yeah, it was was excited at first, but not (laughs) novelty soon wears off. It wasn't that exciting towards the end, especially when you realise they don't have many channels on the T (laughs) V. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, just there's that really. Um I think you sort of covered it all. Trying to think of anything else really. Yeah, it's probably everything. Yeah, I I just think working out of town for me, you get a richer experience, especially if you're younger and you're starting out because um because of you're embedded, so you're not just embedded obviously out there. You know, when you go back to your hotel room, you're going back to a hotel with the people you work with, with your team. You can eat lunch, dinner with your team. 
Um, I mean, and that has its pros and cons. There's pros and cons. I mean, you're, sometimes <laughs> you're in it too much. You can ask as well. You know, I'm so, just gonna. Well, not ask. It's not. You don't have to ask, but you can say that. See, this I've is, had enough today. I've, I've had enough of spending my all my time thing. with you. And some people do do that. Because I think that's the bit. So there's pros and cons of anything, but I think that can definitely, for some people, be a con because you're spending, you're spending a lot of time with people, um, who you know your work, essentially your work colleagues. And if you're fortunate enough, they can be your friends as well. Yeah. Um, but essentially, you, you know, you got your, you do your nine to six with them at work already, and then actually, you know, before you've even gone into the office to your nine to six, you, do, you, you would have had breakfast. breakfast with them because yeah. you're in a hotel. My experience was I was in a hotel. Um, and it's not, you know, we're not in like a 500 bed room hotel, whatever, you know, it's a, it's a relatively, you know, smallish hotel. We're all getting up at the same sort of time to get into work. So we're seeing everyone. I'm seeing, I'm seeing all my colleagues in the morning for breakfast. So we all sit down and have breakfast together. We then all hop, hop in the same taxi and do the taxi commute to work together. Or train. Then... I, used to take, I used to take a train. Oh, did you just take a train? Oh, like I'll just a train. Really? Yeah. Ours was just a taxi, like a twenty-minute taxi drive journey. That's long. Yeah, yeah, it was it was long, yeah. And then yes, yeah, so it's, it's ta- taxi ride over to the to the office. Then you do your working day at the office. Then you all take a taxi back to the hotel together, and then you all, all have dinner together. So that's a lot of time. Uh, in my uh, in my opinion, that means you're not working nine to six because if I'm spending all this time with you, and I'm not talking. Unless you're really friendly with them, you're not talking to them about football or, you know, whatever you're interested in. Most of the time you're talking about work. And you're talking about what you're going to do at work and what needs to be done or whatever. And so you're kind of not no longer working nine to six. You're just working full time all the time. Well, that's what ends up happening sometimes with people who are out of time. It yeah. just becomes like so... Everything it just bleeds into... Yeah, it all just bleeds into it because you just... It's exactly what you said because they're not necessarily your friends. So then the only thing you really have to talk about is work. Um I mean, from my experience being out of town, I was quite clear to separate like what well, I I removed myself when I wanted to some time by myself. And because I was um kind of no weight training in a different building from work and I had people in the area who I did that with it very much meant that I had a bit more separation from my from my work colleagues and from work in itself. And then I would, you know, come back in after doing my, my training session around what they seven thirty, eight or whatever it was, then go into my room and, and have my dinner. Yeah. Um, but it it also can be quite good, like spending a lot of time together because you know when you get to that business end of a project you're bonding a lot more. That camaraderie and being around each other and really fighting through you know the hard times when you're out there on out of town that could be really that's really good experience sometimes and those are the things that you don't you don't forget yeah they are they are i agree they are yes you have to be geographically mobile yeah yeah <laughs> pretty much be geographically uh, mobile consultancy job but uh yeah so that's part of our contracts but who do we work for like yeah we do work for we the do client. work for, well, work for our firm. Yeah, we work that's for our, our firm. That's where our, um, our interests are for our firm. Yeah. So even when we hit the BAU stage that we talked about, one of the things that you 
also talk about in the BAU stage is, oh yeah, so what else can I do for your client? What else can I help you with? You know, do you need my help going forward or yeah, cases any follow up work version two of this system that I put in place for you and yeah, you know, so your um your interest is to you know is for, is for your company that you work for right so that's who we work for but it doesn't feel that way all the time especially when you're working on the in the client's uh place of work so it, sometimes it feels like we're working directly for the client sometimes in, in fact some people feel that they no longer work for their consultancy firm they work for the client and they walk around with the client's colors on you know <laughs> wearing the client's badges and clothes and really feel they are one of the employees when actually they're not yeah and it's and it's easily done as you said as you said before you know when you're working out of town and stuff um you're not seeing your call like you know your company colleagues at all like for me for example I was out of town Monday to Thursday Monday to Friday I saw my client more than I saw my family <laughs> and so therefore more than I would have seen my kind of company colleagues yeah. and some people they stop using their company laptop they start using the client's laptop. exactly so then you're not and... getting any of the company updates um you're not yeah. well they should be checking the emails but they they fully just... feel like they work for the client because they're not even using their own company stuff anymore yeah i agree i agree and then there's also the other aspect of when a client gets um, consultants in to deliver or do a particular piece of work, the expectation of what they can deliver, I I feel like is quite, it tends to be quite high. Um, yeah. Because people, because when you get consultants in, you're getting, you're bringing a certain level of expertise, yeah. a certain level of experience, of knowledge, yeah. um, and a way of working, a structure to kind of bring things together. So that's one reason for the expectations being quite high because of that expertise and knowledge. And then the second reason is because the the, the day rates tend to be quite high. Yeah, depending yeah. on the consultancy consultants are expensive consultants are expensive so depending on the you know how big the consultancy is it could be anything from 400 pounds a day up to 15 2000 pounds a day so it, it maybe even more um for some consult for some depending on the type of work and the level of experience that consultant brings so if you kind of scale that up the work could be you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds, contracts worth a million, you know, over millions of pounds or tens. It's a lot of money that is being played with here and you. So when you're coming in to work for a particular client, expectations on what you can deliver and what you can do is high. And, and that can sometimes bring on a lot of pressure to the consultants to deliver to a high standard and to deliver work quickly as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, one of the things that we face when we walk in is um, politics of that the, company, of that, that client, client's and, politics. Yeah, and um, some people don't want us there. No, you know, sometimes we've been brought in to fix a problem that Bob created, and Bob doesn't want us here Bob doesn't to fix want us it. There. <laughs> or do you know what happens often or not? Do you know what happens? Yeah, we're brought in to work with Margaret's team. But Margaret's boss, Helen, has brought us in. 
So Helen knows what's going on. Helen's paid the money or whatever. Yeah. Margaret and her team have no idea until a week before. Yeah. And so we're um, Margaret's like pissed, <laughs> and her team are pissed because they're like, we work perfectly fine. There's no inefficiencies in our process. Oh, we yeah. don't. We don't need any help. So many people say stuff like that. Yeah. We don't. Need, we here. don't need any help. I only found out a week before that we're gonna have consultants coming in. No one's brought me in. Like no, I. We, no one's brought me into the why the consultants there. We don't have their. We don't have the you know, Margaret and her team's buy-in. So the consultant then, however many people it is, let's say it's five, rock up to work with Margaret and her team and you're met with complete hostility. Mm. Because how would you like it if someone, one day everything was fine and a week later someone came in to, to essentially critique your work? That's how they feel. That's well, how they feel. Most of the time, you're not there to critique their work. Well, not necessarily critique, but you're but, but you're I mean, looking at. It's not at, perfect. Sometimes it's not people perfect, have to admit that. But you're looking at. I don't know. Maybe it is a. It's not. Maybe critique's the wrong word, but it's almost looking at um, how things can be improved, mm. which can sometimes look or be perceived as a critique. I have worked. I've walked straight in to a client who was very hostile when I showed up. Like they did not want me there. They didn't know what to do, what they wanted to do. They were doing it completely wrong, but they did not want me there at all. And yeah. um, I had to sort of make it work. I had to be really nice and show that even though you don't like sort of uh, my company or sort of the concept of a consultant coming in, I'm going to make you like me. Yeah. And if they like me, they'll put that to the side. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> And that's why so much of consulting, as you said before, is building up those relationships with people and and getting to know people and having that intimate um, relationship with them. Mm. Many of the the clients that we've worked with, we've still kept in touch with them in one way or another. So, yeah, you are building up kind of long relationships with people. Uh, And the stakeholders as well. So inside of... So we talk about the client, right? But the client's not one person. Like you say, there's Helen and Margaret, right? There's two different people in that situation, but sometimes there's many more across the whole business yeah. who you have to interact with and they're called stakeholders because they are involved in the process that you're trying to change or implement. So, But the joke of it is, sometimes you may not know who all the stakeholders are. So then I mean, you, you come in now with your team of five, whatever it is, mm. and you have to do, you have to basically be a bit of a detective. Definitely. Like, you know, detective. Well, sometimes Nicole they know. Going around asking people, okay, yeah. so, okay, so Helen's boss is this person. And then you're there piecing together the map, the, sorry, piecing together the pieces and you're creating what we call a stakeholder map or mm. And working out, okay, so who is who in the business? What's their titles? What's their responsibility? How much power and influence do they have? And what's the, like, who whose boss is who? And just getting that picture. So when you are wanting to do something, you know who to speak to. You know who the, you know. And who's affected by whatever you're doing. Yeah, that's so, yeah, yeah. Who's affected by the change or whatever it is that, that you're implementing or putting in place. Um, That's so key as well. Because as much as we talk about, you know, implementing a new system or creating a new process, whatever it is, we also, when we come in as consultants, have to think about 
who is being affected by the change that we're putting in place who's who, who yeah who's being affected and um how can we support those individuals as well yeah but typically there is somebody at the top of the chain yeah the person who paid the money or their boss it could be like a cto or a very high executive or something yeah. like that and typically they can have the final say yeah but um you still need to be friendly with all the stakeholders everybody who's involved because even one person can really put the brakes on whatever you're trying to do yeah especially if there's someone with a lot of influence yeah they may not have a lot of power in terms of um you know controlling purse their budget and things like that but if they can influence a lot of people so the morale is down in the team or they're not in favor for this change and mm. um, that can have a massive impact on on the project okay yeah let's move on to the bench what is the bench what's the bench yeah so the bench is so we work for different clients different projects up and down the country but there are some times where we don't work for any clients and we just sit in there waiting for our next job to come along and that's what we call the bench what so you just sit there wait for your job to come along do you get paid <laughs> That's literally the yes. first question that I get asked. You get that? <laughs> I get, yeah. When people, when I tell people about the bench, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not on a project right now. I'm on the bench. Yeah. They're like, so I'm so confused. So you sit at home. I mean, this is what they say to yeah. me. So you sit at home and you do nothing, and you get paid. That's exactly right. And I'm like, well pretty much i mean <laughs> no we, we we when you're on the bench you you know you, you do do work but essentially i'm not working for a client well i don't what well, i think there's different things you can do right one of the things is do nothing and just wait for the next job to come around so sometimes in our in the firms you have a list of projects that are looking for resources <laughs> right and they're looking for um certain skills and if you hit those skills then you'll be put on the list and you can apply or someone else your... will put your your name on yeah. the list and if you get it then you get that and you'll be off to that client tomorrow potentially um Bosch. or even that same day i've had that before but um but whilst then... you're waiting and and you're applying for these different positions it's like kind of like applying for a job but you I kind of you do need a CV, but uh, some sort of CV, some sort of list of what you know your skills are, mm. so they know where to place you. But um, uh, yeah, whilst you're waiting for that, one of the things that you can do is do nothing. So you could either do nothing in in the firm, in, like in your company's building, and sort of mingle, network, talk to people. Um, but that's not doing nothing, so, though. Okay, that's not doing nothing. That's but yeah, to, to, that's, that's networking. That's networking. Yeah, but you or can. You do... can also do nothing at home, which is what I've done in the past. <laughs> and you can be at home, watch TV. You know, you wouldn't. I wouldn't advise this, but some people have done it. I'm, I'm going to admit to being one of those people today. <laughs> um, and um, just wait for the call to come. Right? Wait for the call to come. I know um, sometimes when the people do nothing is if you finish a project on the Friday, let's say, you have a week where you're going to be on the bench, but you know that in the following week, you're going to be on a project. Mm. So essentially, there's not, I mean, we're going to talk through the different things you can do when you're on the bench, but there's not really much for you to do. So you just 
kind of chill and relax for the week until and get yourself kind of back to a, a good state before you're not so you can be in a bad state but but you know get yourself prepared and ready for the next project yeah i think um, that's i would say happen. the model consultant would say what we're saying is really bad don't chill you have so much to do do training you know whatever so you can do training yeah but i have also sat at home and done nothing and relaxed because i know the storm is about to come yeah you know you know <laughs> you know it's gonna get busy so you're using that time to recuperate but then i guess but you've never been on the bench for like three months for example i have yeah have you wait yeah. when though what when that, you was a grad yeah, when you when you so when, when you were I doing your year in out, industry when i first started out i was on the bench for doing your year in industry a couple months at first yeah year in industry yeah but as but when you were like didn't do year in industry and you were like a i think from grad, that first after my first job, I think I was on the bench for about three months as well. Yeah, after that, then um, I pretty much always got a job, after, like I got a next role assigned to me one after the other, always. So the longest I think I've been on the bench, it's probably like two or three months. No. Yeah, probably about two months is the longest I've been on the bench. Mm. Yeah, that, that can feel like a long time. At first, it's a week, and it feels, oh, yeah, this is nice, good, taking the relaxing break. And then it, it, two months comes, and you're like, oh, I can't, I can't take this anymore. Yeah, and you have to remember, I know people probably listening thinking, oh, wow, two months on the bench, getting paid, great. But you have to think that it's two months out of your development. Yeah. So it's like you're not getting the experience working with stakeholders, building up your communication skills, present pres- whatever it is, you're not doing it. And yes, you can do other stuff to help with that. That's all gravy and grand, but you're not building up the skills that essentially you're that that you want to do and that you're getting paid for. So it's not great. I personally don't like to be on the bench for a long length of time. Mm. Um, that being said, I've recently in the last year or so been back to back to back to back on projects, literally finishing on Friday, starting a new project on the following Monday. Um, and that's, uh, that, that's also not ideal either. So you kind of want to have a bit of a balance yeah. of, um, not saying I haven't really you know, enjoyed or loved these projects I have, but like, it would have been, it is nice to get a balance of kind of that bit of bench time. And then the being on the project and being really busy time as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, but when you're on the bench, it's not a holiday. You kind of are on the end of the phone at any time, right? They could call you today to come into the office. So you can't uh, think, oh, I'm on the bench. I'm going to go off to Cornwall today. They could call you into the office that same day. Yeah. And and actually, if we, because, you know, Stephanie, you mentioned... Um, if you're on the bench, you know, you have the option to do nothing. But in some companies, I think this may be the case of small, smaller consultancies. Yeah. Um, you're building up a lot of the internal functions and doing a lot of internal work, whatever that may be, whatever that looks like for that particular company. So the option of being able to sit there and, and not, not do very much is, is not actually not an there. option. Well, yeah, I agree. That's true. That's um, but true. it depends also on the, the consultancy that you're in. That's the same in also large companies. Um, you have to do that as well. 
And uh, so yeah, so one of the things on the bench you do is that, but also um, BD work. So BD stands for business development, and typically, what that by that they mean um, win more deals with more clients or existing clients. That's yeah. what they mean. It it doesn't really sound like that, but that's what they mean. Yeah, and that can be anything from putting together a proposal, yeah, or a bid. To say, okay, so, you know, you said that you want this new website designed. Here's how we plan yeah. to do that. Here's our approach. Yeah. So our typically strategy. the client will send out an RFE, a request for proposals. And and uh, that client will have a list of consultancies that they normally work with. They'll send it to all of them or even just post it publicly. And loads of consultancies will put in proposals and will be one of them. Um, and that's part of the bidding process, right? So we're trying to win that deal. We're trying to win that proposal. So we put in our best proposal. Most likely we put in our cheapest price <laughs> or something like that. A competitive price. Yeah, or competitive price. But yeah, it turns out to be the cheapest price most of the time. And um, and um, we put together a solution that will solve their problem as they've written it down. Yeah. And um, and the and basically the best one wins, or not necessarily the best one wins, but the one that, um, that has client, the most competitive price, or the one that that client really wants to work with wins. That can be the case too. <laughs> the client sometimes he's already got in mind exactly who he's going to work with, but he's putting out the RFE anyway just to follow protocol. But yeah. So that's one of the things that you do on the um, bench. You, you would do the bidding work and there's different stages of bidding that you go through. Um, and it's a tough process. Uh, but at the end of it, if you win a deal, then you've really helped out your company to um, basically bring in more revenue. And the job of consultancy is just to keep winning bids, keep winning deals, and just keep working on customers and their and their problems and issues. and yeah so you just have to keep winning those and uh, so that's that's a really important piece of work to do and i would say you're not on the bench when you're doing that you're actually i think most of the time when you're doing that you are assigned to win that deal to work on that piece of work i would say that's not you on the bench but they will typically pick up somebody from the bench to do it to do it i think it i think again it depends on consultancy so you know where i am at the moment that's not that's not kind of how it how it works okay and then um other than that yeah as you said develop areas of the company like internally like i don't know internal their develop their products that they have or Mark- services marketing strategy strategy if a particular and again this may be the case for more smaller companies but if there's a particular function in the business that needs support and additional help, you may be kind of drafted in to help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's a particular campaign going on in the moment at the moment that that company wants to do, you may be drafted in to help with that particular campaign as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, it it, it it can massively differ depending on the company that you're in and and what what work is needed at the time but essentially it's helping with bits and bobs 
yeah. what those bits and bobs are can differ just as i said depending on what's needed yeah. at that particular time hopefully just building you know building value and improving the company you grow and stuff like that yeah and another thing you mentioned actually which um which we haven't kind of talked about much is the networking aspect of things that you do when you're on the bench as well yeah um so that can be kind of networking with people in the business um, so in the, in the company that you're in and, and you know, understanding how different types of consultants work or it could be networking with people who work in a consulting industry as a whole so there's quite a lot of emphasis on networking Heavy getting emphasis. out there speaking to people yeah. um, and things like that again I think it differs on the company that you're in when I was in a bigger consultancy there's a lot of emphasis on networking to get your next project mm -hmm. now that I'm in a smaller consultancy where everyone knows each other there's not much of a of a push for people to network internally because everyone knows each other there's not there's not much of a driver to do that but networking in generally in terms of the in just being people in the wider industry is very much uh you know fav favored on um yeah. how do you find networking me personally yeah oh i'm really bad at it <laughs> i mean don't I'm beat the worst around person. the bush i'm the worst person at networking i don't really <laughs> enjoy it um it, i think some people are love extroverted it. and they're very good at it and they love talking to new people and meeting new people i am the opposite of that and so um i struggle with that part of the, of of it really and um yeah i've sort of I've, I've relied throughout my career on the quality of my work to get heard out there for me to sort of uh, be known mm. in some way but um yeah that's that's sort of my weakest skill so yeah not great at that but i've tried and um basically sometimes they they have networking events like after work events where you yeah. have you know little uh wine canapes. and canapes going around and everybody's just chatting and um yeah and people just get to meet people and you get people's name and afterwards you email them and say oh do you have any what project are you on and how's it going and do you want to have a coffee and yeah i just find it all very artificial but it's just not me so what what do you think um i don't mind networking um whether that's in the business or going to events um to network with with people i find that it's very draining so you have to i find like it's draining and i feel like it's very much an extension of work yes so if i'm finishing work at six or six day or whatever and there's a networking event at seven it doesn't feel like oh i'm just going there for like the the free wine and the canapes i feel like it's very much work and i have to be on regardless yeah. of whether but some people f see it as like socializing i think don't they i don't know if people do see it as socializing because it's not because it's not because <laughs> it's, it's just not social because because if you're doing it if you're socializing with people in your current consulting company you're sorry you're networking people in your consulting company you're networking for like i mean it could just be to just to, to see if you could strike a genuine connection with someone who you may be able to kind of you know 
learn from them their skills whatever or as you said see whether there's a project but doing that stuff requires a level like it still requires energy from you and you to like engage and all that other stuff and if we're doing it outside of work again it's like it requires energy and and whatever else I just I just find that it can be quite draining it's an extension of work and also I can see why people wouldn't like it because it's um and at times it can be a bit awkward. I've gone to networking events before. It's awkward. Where I'm where I'm by myself. I, I, I just go by myself and everyone goes with somebody else. So if you're there by yourself, you have to have the confidence mm. and feel quite comfortable to walk up to a group of group of people and be like, Oh hi, can I join can I join your conversation? Which is why and I you feel may like... not know any of them. So you ha- so it's almost like it. it it caters for a particular type of person. I feel like it works for extroverted people. Personally. Yeah, I just don't extroverted, think... confident people. Yeah, well, I don't know. Not, no, I should leave that. because even if you're not extroverted, if you're not, the two aren't linked. You could be confident and not yeah. be an extrovert. Okay, so I yeah. shouldn't say that. But uh, I think even if you're not, I think if you're not extroverted, I don't feel like it works for you. And yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Know. And and feel okay and comfortable just to walk up to strangers and do all that other stuff. Um, and it, it it to me it feels like I'm talking to you because I want something from you and not if you know what I mean. I I want something from you in some ways. <laughs> and maybe we all want something from each other anyway. But I feel it's very artificial. I don't feel it's natural. Yeah. And I guess it's how do you strike that organic conversation with someone? I'm just thinking about someone at the moment and they are extremely extroverted and they're always talking about the importance of networking and how to network and all this other stuff. And I just feel like sometimes when they speak, they are, because they already are so extroverted and because they already absolutely love speaking to any and anybody at all times, Mm. for them, the idea of networking is like, oh yeah, this is like, fine, I want to do this, but it's not, necessarily being mindful of how people are different and you know how i'm a firm believer that not everything is for everybody you know what maybe and that's something that i I, that may not necessarily be for all different types of people and and maybe it is the case when you really look at the people we work with consulting as a whole there's a lot more extroverted people in in the business maybe yeah, probably. And and it's a whole industry full of extroverted people. And if you're introverted, then you're the anomaly. Maybe, maybe that's maybe, the case. Maybe, yeah. But we are here. I'm introverted and, you know, made it work for me <laughs> somehow. But I think one of the cons sometimes of there's extroverted people and stuff like that is, as I said, one of the skills that's important is um, listening. Listening to the client and the different stakeholders and what different people are looking for and making it work for them and stuff like that and sometimes if you're really extroverted and you're really you're the one who really presses the issue and you're in in people's faces always speaking you're not doing the listening but i don't i I disagree with that because i don't think extroverts don't listen no that's not what i said it's not that extroverts don't listen it's that it can be that can be the case for some people i think i've seen it the case extroverts and introverts is more of an energy thing so That's I would true. say that I'm more of an extrovert because I get energy from yeah yeah like in social settings I get energy from other people so they almost like power me up 
Yeah, but I mean, I don't want to make networking um, a negative thing for people. No, no. I mean, I, I, I think, think if you if you've not done on... it before and it's something that you know you, you're going to do, I mean, it's a good experience. Do it with your extroverted or introverted, and um, and and some people really enjoy it. It's just not for me personally. Um, but think... it's actually very important, and you will actually get farther in your career much faster if you're very good at it. Just before we move on to another point, um, we talked about internal work and uh, developing areas of the company before. One thing we didn't mention is that you can do that on the bench, but a lot of the time you also do it whilst you're also on uh, client work. Yeah. So you could be doing your client work day to day and driving that project and trying to get to the deadline date, delivering everything that they ask for. And at the same time, you have to do work to develop areas of your own company, yeah. which could be all the things we already mentioned, and um, and just means that sometimes they call it side of desk work. Yeah. And um, you don't get like extra time or anything to do or it. Or extra pay. Or extra pay. <laughs> it's not pay's important, guys. Pay's important. But um, yeah, it's just something as well that we have to do, and so. And it's hard. It's. It's hard to juggle it all. To juggle it is hard. Mm. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a consultant at my company, and I'm also the diversity and inclusion lead. And to and to juggle both roles and both activities, it's hard. Mm. It's facts. Yeah. So the probably one final point is uh, meetings. We, I guess, as part so of our job. Many. We have so many, right? And <laughs> um, I guess sort of in a traditional sort of job, maybe in the specific role that you've been hired to do, you would have scheduled meetings that you have every day or one-off meetings, always talking about the same type of subject. But our meetings could be about different things any day, every day. And, uh, we, could all, and we also have the scheduled ones, right? And so... Basically, we just have a lot of meetings. But one thing to mention about meetings is we have meetings and we have workshops. Maybe slightly different, the two slightly different things. But um, yeah, meetings are sort to talk about a subject and talk about a specific issue or something like that, or a regularly scheduled one, like a, a regular team weekly update, team catch up. Uh, client catch up make sure you're always keeping them up to date so they feel like they're in the loop and feel like everything's going smoothly um that sort of thing um and we also have workshops which are sessions i would say that we set up um to talk through um like concepts and uh, plans and uh probably what they want to do like the the work they want to carry out and plan it through and things like that so we have those workshops and they can last they're not just like a meeting is like an hour but a workshop could be full day a, a full day or could two be, full days yeah, or even or a, week. a week or even two weeks or even t- could be two weeks but if it's two weeks then that's a serious workshop <laughs> well mike yeah the client that i i i've been on um projects where it's been two weeks worth of workshops yeah and that's typically you're sitting in a, sat in a single room um, over a full day um, 
It's like sort of a boardroom sort of set up. Yeah. A big, big table in the middle. Everybody sat around the table. And um, you're just working through systematically. Whatever it is. And, um, and, and our job as a consultant is to to manage the whole meeting, facilitate to get the information the out, yeah. facilitate the, the conversation, the document it, um, record all the important information that came out and sort it, organize it, deal with it afterwards so we can... And it can be tiring. It's very, very tiring. On yeah. workshops. I know um, the workshops that I've had, and I've done lots of different workshops, but the workshops I've had, it's tiring because you're on your feet all day. Yeah. So you're on your feet. Uh, so whenever I have a workshop, I'm always like, make sure I wear comfortable shoes, <laughs> no heels, because you're on your you're on your feet all day. And it could be the case that the workshop started at nine, but if you're in that boardroom type setup, you've probably created, um, like put things in place to get the information out of people. So basically, you can set up the room beforehand. Mm-hmm. So you could be in the room from eight. And then, you know, the workshop starts at nine, let's say it finishes at five or six. Um, and then after the workshop ends, you then need to be in the room to debrief with the rest of the team and work out, okay, well, this went really well, this didn't go well. What, how do we want to change things for the next day? H- how do we want to take the information that we've got and gather it up and, and, and you know, document it, whatever. So the days itself are very long, they're very tiring. And you have to remember, if you have, if you're doing an all day workshop, how are you keeping people engaged all day? Yeah, I start falling asleep in Because, workshops. yeah, people fall asleep. People get bored. People, you know, people are human, aren't they? So it's like, if we're talking about something that's not the most interesting thing, it's your job as a consultant to keep energy levels up and keep them high. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? So it's, it's thinking, it's being quite creative and thinking of tools. I mean, one thing that I've done before as um, we'll do icebreakers. So in the morning, we'll do an icebreaker. What do you want to get out of the workshop? you know, what what, what what do you want to achieve at the end of the day? Have a bit of an icebreaker to get people geared up and in the mood. Then you want to have lunch. Then after lunch, you want to have another icebreaker. And one that has worked particularly well is to get flags from around the world. Flags. Flags. And have people guess what country this flag belongs to. <laughs> okay. I've not seen that one. That's a good one. We've done yeah. that. We've also done the one, is it called Heads Up? When you put someone's... um put like a celebrity on someone's head yeah and the person who's got the celebrity on their forehead has to ask questions to guess who it is yeah again that tends to be quite a good one i've put i've put like kim kardashian on like a director's head before just just to keep things light but what's hard is yeah when you have a workshop you tend to have very senior people in the room i was about to say that so and they're all adults who so if, are in their like 30s and 40s and 50s so sometimes you don't people don't in 60s so people, sometimes people don't engage but yeah. you have to but you have but you just need someone who's gonna bring the life and bring the energy up so we can have a little bit of a laugh a bit of a giggle and we've got you know we've got the room built full up in energy yeah. you just need a few people who are willing to participate and what you'll what you'll realize is is once you have a few people on board the rest of them will be on board too but it, but it can be difficult because people because yeah. they're very me? stubborn. My direct, the director the did not want to have Kim Kardashian stuck on stuck on their face. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? They didn't they didn't want, really want to do that. But I purposely said you need to do this because I knew if the director's going to do it, it's going to bring everyone else up. Yeah. But yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, I was, yeah, that's what I was thinking. How do you get a room full of executives? 
who are sometimes a lot older. A lot older. And very stubborn and very, you know, I mean, they are falling asleep in this workshop, right? But they won't admit that if we just loosened it up and lightened up a little bit, then, you know, it will wake everybody up. Yeah. They know we could do this, but they're just so boring in some ways. Yeah. And so, yeah, they're just not willing to participate in anything like that. Flags around the world sounds like a good idea. People loved it. Yeah. We had to, because um, we had lots of different, I can't remember why there were, someone else had like, they had played a game before in their personal life and had had loads of these flags cut up and they were the one who's like, oh, we can just use this as a as a game. And um, I remember we were doing the work, we, so we were playing the game and the clients, they were all like, no, no, let's, let's just do like five more. They didn't, they didn't want to get back to do the workshop. <laughs> so we ended up playing this game for a lot longer. And then towards the end of this particular workshop, another one that we did, and again, I probably suggest doing this more when if you've got a bit of a better relationship with them, but because we had a week-long workshop, towards the end, we had quite a good relationship with the clients, but we did two truths and a lie. Right. And um, yeah, that one, worked, that one was quite good as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and as well, what doesn't work? Because they think, let's just take a break. Let's have a. We'll all get a cup of tea, coffee, biscuits. Bro. That doesn't work. Doesn't as soon work. as I've had that break, I'm back at the table and I'm falling asleep again straight yeah, it away. Doesn't work. It's good for. It just doesn't work. It's good if you can get up and have a walk around. Yeah. But essentially, it doesn't work. Yeah. It does not work. And one thing that I've found quite good with workshops is when you have the set when you're in the room like a boardroom type setup and people are sitting down there. When there the client could be telling you something or what to do and you're trying to draw it out on the board so it makes sense, what can be good is if you just give the pen to them and be like, okay, well, you do it. Mm. You And then have them get up, walk across to where you are, the board, and write it, write it down. Mm. It gets them engaged. It gets them involved. It stands them up. And they're just far more, more present in what's going on because mm. it... it, it it's tiring you find it draining because you're trying to facilitate the conversation and they find it draining because they're listening yeah and (laughs) and other things you have to do like split them up into groups Groups. use um post-its sharpies yeah um get them to draw and all sorts of stuff you'd be surprised information out of them yeah 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 you're trying to extract information but if you just ask them for it, it's not coming. It's not coming not out. Gonna, yeah. Right. So you have a trust me. Consultants have a many, many, many different creative ways of getting people, uh, getting information from people, and it tends to be, as Stefan said, post its and sharpies and stickers and blue tack and yeah. you know little coloured dots and all sorts of things. I have done. I'm sure Steph has too to try to get information out of people putting hands up, moving around the room, all sorts of stuff. Because you almost, in a way, you almost revert back to doing like quite childlike type stuff just mm. to get information out of people. Yeah. But because that, it's very hard sometimes to get information out of people. Yeah. But that's one type of workshop. Another is when you come as the consultant and you're presenting. You're presenting your solution, your designs, your you know plans, whatever it is. And so you're one of the um, participators in the workshop. You're not the host. Um, 
and yeah you have to be a confident person to present information to explain it to ask ask um to answer questions uh to be challenged right there on the spot um yeah those are sort of other scenarios where you could be in a workshop yeah as well 100 percent, 100 percent. so i've done workshops in the past where i've had to present and i'm being asked questions and challenged right there on the spot and i have every stakeholder is in the room all the executives are in the room if i don't respond in a good strong um you know a confident way Mm. that gives a good answer to these challenges that people are giving out then i've lost my uh Lost your credibility. Lost my credibility. And that's and that's so much about what consulting is is having credibility and trust with the stakeholder. And respect. And respect and building that up quite quickly. Yeah, and not losing it. And not you losing can lose it. respect and, and credibility, credibility in a, and in a moment. In, yeah, in a moment. But it takes ages to build it up, yeah. and that's when I'm starting a new project and I'm working with clients. Uh, the first thing that I want to do is build up a trust and credibility with my stakeholder. Yeah. And I want them to feel like I'm truly listening to their problem. Yeah. Um, and, and at times being, you know, showing that I'm sympathetic to it as well. Yes. Yes, definitely. Empathy. Empathy goes a long way. Yeah. A very long way. But yeah, those are our different meetings. Um, what I would say with meetings as well, not this is not workshops, but actual kind of meetings that you have. I think one of the things is important to mention is the fact that our meetings can differ a lot in subject matter. So sometimes you may have to flip flop quite quickly to different meetings. So you could have a, you know, a nine to 10 when you're talking about websites and then yeah. having a 10 to 10.30 where you're talking about testing. Then yeah. you've got a 10.30 to 11 where you're talking about, okay, so delivery. And then you, do you know what I mean? So the, the, the subject matter for all the meetings will be completely different. And yeah. you can be back to back in meetings from nine till six, maybe have like a half an hour break every now and again. But the, the, but the, the topic of each meeting is different. So it just requires you to flip, flop, flip, flop all the way, like all the time. Definitely. And I know one, I know I think what some people find quite difficult when they begin their consulting career is that constantly changing like focus. Um, and I've had people before <clears throat> say to me. It's, it's hard, you know, it's hard. It, it is, it is hard. Um, and I've had people say to me before, oh, I can't, ca- can we move that meeting to the afternoon? So I'm only speaking about, I don't know websites in the afternoon and everything testing related is in the morning yeah so they can just like split and divide their brain yeah um i think for me i i'm okay flip-flopping between topics depending on what the topic is what i don't like is having half an hour break meetings i rather just do two hours back to back one time as opposed to doing half an hour meeting than a break than an hour because that half an hour break that I have is like for me it's dead time. It's only so much I can do in half an hour. Just back, just have me back to back solid for three hours, four hours, whatever it is, and then have me free. I don't like having like block blocks of like half an hour. I like having breaks of half an hour. Yeah, because in that little do? half an hour, you can't you can't focus on get... a bit of work though. But that's when I go and get my coffee, a drink. Oh yeah, if you're gonna relax, do that, and I also will. 
if I want, if I have to flip flop my brain, then that's where I will um, re reset at that time and also plan what am I saying in the next meeting. That's what I'll do in that half an hour. Okay. Yeah. 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 Th yeah. Th yeah. That's true. Those. Ha yeah. That is true. Actually, those half an hour meetings can be useful to plan what you're going to say in that meeting. And I think um, I remember someone said to me, this was like um, a grad at the time, said to me what you plan for your meetings <laughs> that is an important point that is a very important and they point. were like yeah. and i was like yeah because <laughs> i need to know what i'm gonna say yeah you have to again it's all, all so about your credibility <laughs> because what we've been brought in why because we bring in professional expertise and advice yeah right so if i walk into meetings and i don't bring professional expertise expertise and advice every time then i'm i start chipping away at my credibility, credibility. And do you know what? It's the structure as well. If you have half, if you have a half an hour meeting, I have to remember everyone is time poor. People don't have capacity and like the time to get everything done in their day. That's what it tends to be with the clients we're working with. You know, they're already rammed, or the consultants we're working with, they're already rammed. So if you have a half an hour meeting, the half an hour meeting has to be structured so you can get all the information that you need. Yeah. And so it's an efficient use of everyone's time. So you don't not, need another half an hour. You haven't need another half an hour meeting. Exactly. Yeah. So because of that, you need to plan. Yeah. So you can restructure it in a way where you get everything you, you need to out of it. And sometimes you as the consultant, you're just trying to curb the personalities in the room and be like, okay, so can we stop talking about you and your golf course and talk about what we need to talk about here? And can we stop going down this road about you talking about how much you don't like the solution and start talking about this other problem that we're trying to talk about today because you can talk about that at lunchtime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's not, what do they call it? Let's not go down um, rabbit holes. Yeah. And oh boy, does that happen, especially in workshops. Yeah, definitely. Um, it can happen a lot for sure. So, yeah. so I think we've really covered what we do as a consultant yeah you feel i think so don't think there's anything else to add no i think that really covers all the basis and um yeah i think i think anybody who's listened to this podcast should have a good idea of sort of what we do and um the difficulties and you know the good parts and the bad parts and stuff like that so yeah. I hope that's very useful to anybody that's listened today. So we'll um we'll wrap it up there. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening and um tune in next week. See ya. Bye. If you have any questions or dilemmas, email us on ordinaryblackprofessionals at gmail.com or we can be found on Instagram and Twitter at ordinaryblackprofessionals. Also, don't forget to follow us, subscribe and leave a rating and comment.